And welcome to the weekend. This is a Sandler training hour. Each week we bring you insights into things related to business development, growth, strategic planning. Sandler Training is an organization, we're actually a worldwide organization of trainers with a really unique platform. We have, it's a franchise with over 250, 300 uh, training centers worldwide. And each of us are um, active in facilitating live dynamic learning. Uh, we often do it through a uh, Zoom platform and uh, it's very interactive. The challenge with uh, business development and management is you really don't get a very good place to practice. I mean, you're mostly doing on-the-job training. Some organizations do provide, have great managers who provide opportunities to role play. They do ride-alongs. They do a lot of culture, coaching and mentoring and developing. And we find a lot of those overachieving organizations are often reaching out to, hey, we want more resources and, and we want to equip our managers better to really address some of the challenges that our people are having. And we want to keep up to date with uh, the latest insights into selling to an ever-changing culture. And then we have a lot of clients that are smaller businesses that really don't have the superstructure that can provide for that dynamic training. And they reach out to us to almost become an outsourced format uh, for helping train and develop either their people or their managers or a combination of both. Uh, we do this through ongoing reinforcement. Most of our sessions occur weekly. Uh, our clients are generally, I think our average uh, client life with us averages anywhere between five and seven years with some far exceeding that. Through this ongoing uh, reinforcement, what it affords you is the ability to keep the saw sharp. Uh, oftentimes you've heard someone, uh, or you probably heard of people who say, uh, yeah, they have 20 years of experience. And then when you work with them, they have one year of experience. They've just repeated 20 times. In our culture, if you aren't moving faster than the change in the environment, you're being left behind. And Jason, my co-host Jason is with me today. Jason, I feel like uh, in many cases, people are being left behind and they don't even know it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think a lot of times the experience that people is getting doesn't really add up to much for them in their organization. And so they keep, it, it goes back to what we talk about when we talk about the dangers of firefighting. They keep just fighting the same fires over and over and trying to find a solution. And they have a hard time figuring out what they can do in order to take their organization or even themselves to the next level. And so it gets really difficult for them to move to where they want to go. And because they're only firefighting, they're so lost on focus about what they can do to take themselves to the next level that they ultimately keep repeating the same experience over and over without adding to the ways that they can, you know, propel themselves to the next level in their organization. Yeah. And I think if you're not... Uh, if you're not going to 
conferences, like for example, before COVID, conferences were a great resource of expanding your thinking and expanding your mind. Uh, there's a proverb that says, as iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens a person. And being around people and interacting with them and seeing what they're doing and hearing about things from their perspective, uh, there's no substitute for that in learning and growing. And I think one of the negative side effects of the seclusion we've all experienced over the past year and a half is that we've lost a lot of that way of being challenged, that way of having our broadens our horizons broaden. You can get that through books. You could get it through one-on-one um, uh, -on -one conversations. What happens in, uh, in the dynamics of a group setting is you, you are challenged with a new way of thinking. And in order to transition that new way of thinking into action, there's got to be some element of practice. Because any book you read or any experience you have, you can think, well, that's good. I should do that again. But then how often do we <laughs> don't do anything about it, right? Yeah, right. I mean, anytime you go to a training experience, generally you'll have like 47 mind-blowing moments of information that will really change your world. And what action do you take? Generally, maybe one. I think trainers are getting better at saying, you know, while you're listening today, take one or two things away that will yeah. really change your experience. Don't overburden your mind with the idea that you can do everything we're talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, even Sandler, we, we warn people, you know, learning from us is experiencing a fire hose method of training. You're going to hear so much information up front that you might not be able to digest it. That's the importance of um, repeated information. I think another value that comes from the dynamics of being in, in a, community of learners is uh, you get to test some of your hypotheses, you get to try on some of your uh, goals where, in fact, the subject for today is talking about goal setting. And I, I'm thinking in the context of here we are, we're just finishing up uh, this, this month is the end of Q1. So we're moving into Q2. Um, most of us are our goals are very dynamic or need to be because the situations and circumstances are changing. Uh, one of our rules is a plan eliminates the agony of a decision, but yet a plan must be fine-tuned. If I set a plan on autopilot and I'm not, I'm not pausing to look at how am I doing? Am I moving in the right direction? Is, is are the activities that I'm currently engaged in still the activities that I want to be focused on, uh, I've got to have my mind clear enough to look at where am I heading? Because if you think about uh, traveling, for example, if you if you set out to cross uh, Lake Michigan or, or any body of water in a sailboat and you don't pick a point where you are aligning yourself to end up, you can end up, if you're a half a degree off in the beginning, you can end up in the wrong state. So it's, it's really about having, taking time to stop and say, okay, am I in alignment? Are my goals helping me achieve what I want to achieve? Yeah. Am I reflecting through the autopilot to ensure that the goals that I also have, I'm adjusting them in real time 
to what experiences I'm having and making sure that what I'm driven by and what I'm trying to accomplish is really in alignment with what ultimately will bring not only meaning, but just general growth to my world and the people in it. Yeah, it's interesting. I heard a video clip today of a guy talking about goal setting, and he said uh, a guy with an MBA uh, went fishing in Mexico, and and uh, uh, he was in the port getting ready to go on this charter boat, and he saw, um, or I guess they were coming back, and he saw this uh, older gentleman who had just come out. He's got a small dinghy and had come back in. It was around uh, nine or ten in the morning, and he had a stringer of a few fish and, and the guy with the MBA says, uh, you know, if you'd stay out a little bit longer, you could catch more fish. And the guy says, and then what? He says, well, if you caught more fish, you could maybe buy a little bigger boat. And he says, and then what would happen? He said, well, if you bought a bigger boat, uh, you might be able to expand uh, to have multiple boats. And then what? Well, you might end up building a fishing business that someday you could sell. Uh, and then you could spend more time with your family uh, and do the things you like. And he says, well, you know, sir, the way uh, my typical life starts with fishing to meet the sustenance of my family in the morning, I go home and I work on our little farm and then uh, in the evening, I play guitar with my friends. I'm already living the life you're suggesting I trade in the next 20 years to do. <laughs> and <I> thought, yeah. <laughs> so to your point, Jason, it's really, are we taking time to really examine our goals and saying, is this what I want? <laughs> Yeah, even that perspective of the person who's got that entrepreneurial drive, right? Yeah. It's it's really like from the vantage point that they're thinking, we're trying to accomplish a lot, but we may not have the objective view of what we want to get accomplished. And yeah. if we don't have that objective view, then how do we ultimately get what we want when we don't have it articulated? And I think that's the biggest risk. If you don't articulate what your goals and aspirations are, then it's going to be really hard to reach your goals and aspirations. Yeah. And, and I think part of the act of goal setting can help you envision, is this really the goal that I want? Because so often our, the pursuit of a goal in and of itself, if we're not taking time to enjoy the journey, we forfeit some of the real blessing that can come from the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good point. If our goal, like the incremental adjustments that you can make through goal setting will ultimately pay off. But if you're not doing the small things, then you'll forget what the habits are that make you achieve your goals. So like even with exercise, it's not that you need to, you just need to start somewhere, but if you don't have any base idea on what you'd like to accomplish, then you might not do anything because you're, it's easier to be busy than it is to be focused. Yeah. In, in Sandler, we talk about the success triangle a lot. And uh, if you think about the, uh, imagine in your mind's eye a triangle, 
the there are three key components to success in sales and business development. One is attitude. So the apex of the triangle is what is my attitude about myself, my organization, and my marketplace. If any of those are struggling, I'm going to struggle. Uh, it, it, on the lower right-hand corner, you can imagine uh, a technique triangle. What techniques do I need to do in order to be successful? Uh, from a sales point of view, what is my personal presence? How good am I at developing a strategy to qualify, close, and then fulfill what I've sold? How, how, what techniques have I found successful that I'm honing my skills on? And then the final point to the pyramid is behavior. So when we talk about goal setting, we're really talking about that behavior piece. So if it's one third of the equation, what I do is my behavior, how I do it is my goal, and the attitude that I have accomplishing it, that's, that's how I feel about it. So in our discussion today, when we're talking about goals, we talk about um, long-term, which is anything a year or longer, uh, sh short term, uh, which is less than 24 months. And in an ideal world, we want to boil these down into daily goals. So I thought today we'll play a couple of audio clips from some of the Sandler trainers that we've had as guests uh, in past um, uh, radio shows. This one in particular is from Annalie Thompson. She is a, a Sandler trainer in, in England. And uh, Annalie is going to talk to us about how the acronym SMARTER goals. The goals is really at the top of the triangle for a reason, because it's the one that, that holds it all together. Because so often you can see people set a goal, they write a great plan, and they probably stick to it for three weeks. And then they think, oh, this is sort of hard. I'm just going to take a rest day or I'll do it tomorrow. And now they start to procrastinate and do task avoidance and so often this can come down to how they've worded their goal so when we write down our goals we know they need to be clear we will use different acronyms smart is a, a popular one for how we set our goals so that they need to be specific measurable attainable realistic and then time bound in Sandler in fact we talk about smarter goals we add an ER on the end because we say they also need to be enjoyable and rewarding because let's say you've decided you want to save some money because you need to pay off some credit card debt a, a poorly written goal states I will pay off my $5,000 debt by the 5th of November now this is poorly stated because Yes, it's specific, it's measurable, it's time-bound, it's all those things, but it's not enjoyable or rewarding. So mm. when that person gets up one day and has a short-term decision to make, right, do I save this money and not buy that nice top or whatever it is they're looking at, they're going to choose the easy one, which is, it doesn't matter, it's only 20 bucks, I'll buy it now, because it's not very motivating to just pay off debt. Right. However, if instead they'd written down, I will save $2,000 after I've paid off my debt and I will feel awesome about it when I book that holiday, they've really got something enjoyable and rewarding about uh, it. Uh, great perspective to add. It is. And the other key bit there is we should try and phrase our goals with I will or I am. So instead of people might go, I'd like to or I need to or 
it, this is an idea. If we start writing our goals down of I will instead of want and need, you will your brain into believing it's something they're really, it's looking forward to and wants to do, which kicks in when our plan is getting difficult to do. So is it important that it is a declaration of what you will do or is it better to, to state it as though you already have achieved it? I find it depends on the size of the goal. So if it is you want to book the holiday of a lifetime to Thailand, it is more helpful to say, big goal, I will book it by this date. However, the smaller goal will be, I have saved $3,000 to do it. So then you can say it in I am. I am pleased to have saved $3,000 to book my holiday of a lifetime. So it's just a small difference Good. in where we, what we're doing at the moment. You know, Jason, I like her uh, re reference there to really thinking in terms of uh, present tense having having uh, and working towards achieving it. What are your thoughts on, it relates to that whole concept of envisioning and then attracting what I see? Yeah, I think she brings up a good perspective that what we wanna do when we're goal setting is not limit the way that we speak about goals, but really work our way through the language that is important to us in order to ensure that we're the clarity that we're bringing to the goals is not un, unlimits the confusion that can come from general or generic goals. I think that her perspective on how we can reframe goals through language is a phenomenal thing that's super important. What did, what did you think overall with Annalie's perspective? Yeah, I, I, I think. I think a couple of things. One is it's goal setting is about priority. And if you think about it, the purpose behind goals is to force us out of our comfort zone. So if you think about paying off credit card debt, for example, um, it's not very enjoyable to pay off credit card debt. In fact, it's a lot more fun to get into credit card debt. <laughs> and that's so easy to do. Uh, and, and yet, if I've set a goal and I've got that plan defined in daily activities, so maybe, for example, it's, it's budgeting so that I put $1,000 a month against this credit card debt and I don't, I don't dip into my discretional spending until I've made that a priority. I'm going to have to forfeit uh, spending money on that tool that I want or that top that I want, whatever that expenditure is. But it's a mechanism to drive me outside of my comfort zone. And I think, I think we tend to um, lose sight of why we are paying off our credit card debt, for example if we don't have a vehicle to keep it top of mind, uh, which we often uh, in Sandler, we refer to a vision board as one of the mechanisms. So if you could, Jason, explain briefly what, what really is a vision board and how have you seen our clients successfully use it? So a vision board is what it sounds like. There's various ways you can do it. I've seen people do poster boards or, or just work on the background of their computer using something like live images or icons in order to create a visible representation of what 
goal achievement looks like. And so that means in the old days, right, you would open up magazines and cut up images and then tape them onto the poster board. Whatever the, whatever the medium is to create the images, you're constructing a visible representation of what goal achievement looks like. And you can use really easy things like if you're looking to manifest a certain car, then it's really easy to find an image of that car, right? Yeah. The more abstracted things are harder to achieve, but you do find something that speaks to you and that you can look at daily to remind you what is the most important thing in your world in order to achieve that you want to achieve. What does it look like and how do you know when you get there? A vision board helps you get to there. So let's hear from Chip Reichert, one of our trainers in Sandler, about his perspective regarding uh, vision board and how they can help you visualize and tie in uh, goal achievement. Well, the, the vision board, uh, I mean, it starts with, and, and I love the line from Norman Vincent Peale, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. So I said we really got to start at step one, which is what can the mind conceive and, and then believe, right? So I got to have a visual, a picture, or if you look at Stephen Covey, you'll begin with the end in mind, right? So I'm looking out, projecting into my life three years, five years, ten years out. I'm looking at all the facets of my life from you know, health and, and money and business and family and spirituality and social and educational. Uh, not that every vision board has to have all those, but I want to expand the thoughts as to you know, what we're looking at as far as life balance. And this really, to me, became the polarization, uh, the pull to draw me through sometimes the tough times of the things that I had to be doing on a given day, and I could see past that by looking at my vision board, which was the why behind the what. Very cool. So describe to our listeners, what's the room look like? You, you mentioned in oh, the first great. segment. Tell us a yep. little about that. Yeah, so we, uh, we start off, everyone's got their own table because uh, it takes some room. Everyone's got a uh, about a three-foot by two-foot rectangular white poster board, a pair of scissors, glue sticks. And then in the middle of the room, I have two tables filled with probably 100 magazines from every walk of life. I have everyone bring in magazines as well of things that they're interested in. And many times they leave their magazines and we carry them through to the next mm -hmm. session. Mm. You know, we start off and I, I give a little talk about, you know, the importance of a vision board, why have a vision board, and, you know, this life balance wheel. And I said, just let your you know, imagination run, think positive. And, and then the other aspect that I do is I have music playing in the room. And then I'm quiet. I said, I'm just here to help. And we also talk about the birdcage concept. And, and I have an upfront contract with them that after they're done, everyone will get in front of the room and present their board to the rest of the room. And I stress the importance of sharing your goals with others because you never know who out there may help you get them. Right. Wow, that's awesome. So you've teased us with this thing called the birdcage concept. What is that? So before we jump into that, let's talk just a little bit about um, the vision board. A shout out to one of my clients, uh, Roaring Springs uh, uh, Galaxy. They have a new meeting center. Um, they, uh, Tiffany 
has been, uh, and Pat Morandi have been clients of ours for years. And uh, Tiffany's their sales manager. She just does such a great job of leading her team. And one of the things they do faithfully every year is this basic cut and paste party. So it's a part of goal setting, but it's bringing your whole team together, creating an environment where um, in many cases, they each of the team members are coming prepared. So they've They've, they've gathered photos of themselves and their family and maybe vacations they want to take. And it could be word uh, descriptions of, you know, what, what do I want to tackle in these key, three key areas of my life for this year? And spending an hour and a half or two hours together as a team, creating a visual representation of your goal and then sharing it with your team it's just so empower, empowering. Uh, it's exciting that you get to envision it, you get to see it, you get to share it. And then you have, uh, here's all the other members of your team are pulling for you to achieve that goal. And as Chip mentioned, just ha knowing that other people are aware of your goals helps them wanna help you achieve your goal. Uh, it, it's, it's a great tool, in fact, uh, many, uh, many, I've, I've done uh, many uh, vision boards throughout my life and, and just having it at a place where you can see it. The things that I think are important is um, it needs to speak to you. A vision, if I can see it, if I can imagine it, if my mind can conceive of it, I can make it happen. But if there's a gap between the goal and my ability to see the goal as a reality, that makes a much harder uh, gap to traverse. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing you're bringing up is if you're working with an organization or a group of people who are all on the same page about what a vision board looks like, then the process becomes a lot better. And another point that you brought up is when people know what your goals are, it's easy for them to support you in achieving them. And that's true. One of the other aspects of it is when it comes to being accountable to the goals that you want to achieve and what your aims are, sharing your goal is will increase the accountability required out of you or that you get from other yeah. people a lot more than it will thinking the thought. Yes. Because every now and then we can think, oh, you know, it would be good for me if I did X, Y, or Z. And that, that would really move, it would move the lever for me one way or the other. But once you've communicated to someone else, I am trying to do this, now you're held accountable to that communication. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, I think there's several reasons going to why we don't share our goals. Number one, I don't know that we really take time to articulate them, write them down well enough that we understand them. Uh, and then how do I communicate to you something that I see in my mind's eye? And when we go through, we uh, usually start each year with a cut and paste like Chip's talking about. And, and I spend one of our two hour sessions in the month of uh, either December or January with everybody building their vision board. And then the following meeting, everybody's sharing theirs. And uh, it's everyone who wants to and feels, uh, feels comfortable doing it. But watching people share it 
they're even getting more clear as they present to what their goals are. And then you can watch the rest of the group is just feverishly taking down notes and borrowing ideas. It's a very creative and dynamic process. And it helps you really tune into what are the key areas that I, I want to focus my time and energy on to make sure my goals are um, on target, that, that what I have intended is what I really want to end up with. And like right now, what we're talking about today is pulling out your goals that you set at the beginning of the year and fine tuning your plan. Are there any adjustments that I need to be that I need to make. Uh, as I look at the behaviors, do I really have the discipline, vitality, and guts that I need to put it into action, or am I holding back? And if I'm holding back, what is it? Why is it I'm holding back? So if I've got a plan, uh, did I? If I built a plan, have I? Am I tracking it? If I'm not tracking it, why not? Because if I don't measure it, I can't manage it. Uh, what should I fine tune? Those are the things that we need to ask ourselves. And, and I think in many of the answers to those questions are probably going to identify a need for someone else to be involved, someone to help you see past your own self-limitation and break out of your comfort zone. Because as I mentioned earlier, I think the primary function of a goal is to push us outside of our comfort zone. If I look at it this way, um, I'm comfortable doing what I did, what I've always done, because I'm familiar with that. But if I keep doing that, will I get what I want? Or will I get to where I want to go? Well, maybe so, maybe not. If I want to hedge my bet and make sure I'm getting to a specific point, I need to take specific actions. And if any of those actions are outside of something that I do, don't do normally, it's going to require me to break out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to break out of your comfort zone. We always talk about how difficult it is, but without a plan to do it, then we just end up rolling over and over on the same obstructions that we've faced before. Yeah. And so, no, I mean, what's, what's the ultimate goal for us? What do we get? Yeah. Yeah, and, and why? I think understanding the why behind your goal. I think you brought up a great point there, Jason. And that is, if I understand the why behind my goal, then I, I, I can be more energized about achieving it. Uh, and I think in... In the vision board, for example, I think that has the capacity to really help us quantify the why. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important to get into the nuances of your decision making. A lot of people have a really easy time just sort of having a general or unclear idea of what they'd like, what their goals are, and that's good enough. And sometimes that's true, and it's not the worst, but in most cases, our best results come from clarity Yes. in any given circumstance. If you think of any relationship you've ever been in, what is the thing that makes it not work? 
<laughs> Vagueness, obscurity. Yeah. It's just generally misunderstanding after misunderstanding. Clarity is so important. And so if we're not searching for clarity and getting it every moment that we have, then we're just missing such a significant aspect of what brings success. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So Chip Reichard had mentioned this thing. Uh, he call, uh, David Sandler calls it a birdcage goal. Um, and so I'll play a little play uh, Chip's perspective of the birdcage. So the birdcage concept is a Sandler story uh, where he talks about uh, a young boy who wanted a bird. So he uh, you know, got himself a birdcage, had it in the kitchen, and anyone that walked in their house said, hey, what do you have this birdcage for in your kitchen? Everyone in the family knew, so he didn't have to be there. They'd say, well, Johnny wants a bird. And finally, weeks later, an uncle or a friend walked in, and sure enough, he had a bird for this kid's birdcage because he knew how much he wanted one. And so if you share your goals, you never know who it will be that could help you accomplish the, the goals that are out there. Most people, one, don't have written goals. Number two, don't have vision boards. And number three, don't share them with others. And I really believe a difference maker could be doing those three things. Yeah, I, I have my own real life example of the birdcage goal. When I was, I must have been about nine years old, eight or nine years old, grew up in a small town in Southern Illinois. And uh, across the street was, uh, Mrs. Ramsey's home, and she had this big hedge all the way around her house and a gate, and, and it was all fenced off and very pristine uh, yard. And the rabbits loved her yard, and I wanted a rabbit. So I, I had gone down the alley and I found an old lampshade and some coat hangers. So I built this cage. Uh, and I got a stick and I got a carrot and I had a rope tied to the stick. And I asked Mrs. Ramsey if I could uh, catch one of her rabbits, if I could. And she uh, said, sure. And, and I went, I spent a week and I would set the cage up in her, uh, in her yard. And I'd spend maybe an hour a day with the rat, the, the carrot just waiting for a, a rabbit to come. And I did, never, never was successful. I, I'm sure uh, it was destined to fail, but uh, it's a great example of, of this because it was in the spring and the next week was Easter. And she had asked her, my parents if it'd be okay if she bought me a rabbit. And so she comes over on Easter and she bought me a rabbit and a cage. It was the coolest thing. Uh, but it really does illustrate if somebody sees the goal that you're after, they will help you achieve it. Uh, when they see the passion that you want it, uh, you want, you have to achieve it. So part of building a bird cage in this, in my case, a rabbit cage <laughs> is letting people know, Hey, here's what I'm working towards. Can I use your yard or would you help me? And, uh, it's, it's, uh, way to put into the universe your intentions and watch what happens. Yeah, you never know what backup is waiting out there or who can help you out if you don't ask around for information on who knows what. Yeah. Uh, especially like, just, just imagine the network that everyone has. 
everyone knows people and knows information. And there's there's a lot of information out there that can really change the process of you achieving your goals. But if no one knows what's up, then no one's going to be able to step in and say, hey, you know who I should connect you with? And yeah, so make the connection. A, a, a good action step might be to say, okay, take your goals that you have for this year and find three or four people that you feel close to or who you think might be able to help guide or influence you and, and say, hey, can I share with you how I'm doing on my goals? Show them what your goals are. Explain to them what you're trying to accomplish. Listen intently to their thoughts and, and uh, feedback and just see what happens as you start to publish or trap yourself by sharing uh, the goals that you have clearly defined and are working towards accomplishing. Yeah, and that's so important. Just again, we're going to hamper on that word this whole conversation. Clarity, clarity, clarity. Without yeah. it, we lose a lot. And there's something also to be said for the process of anchoring your goals. So anchoring a goal is really about being, um, having clarity, front of mind, um, commitment really to it. So here's uh, my friend Hamish Max, uh, uh, who is one of our trainers up in Canada, Hamish Knox, sharing with us uh, the concept of anchoring goals. The leader sets the target, and I think that's brilliant. Many times people try to get buy-in from the team to the point that the team sets their own targets and it's too low, and now I'm trying to fight them to do something they've already decided they haven't, they can't do. Absolutely, and that's a, something we call anchoring, which is a, a trick of the brain where if we grab a piece of data, that we hold on to that data. And, and oftentimes it, in a sales situation, it happens where someone quotes a price too early. So if, if I'm selling to you, and, and you say, hey, Mr. Just, just give me a ballpark, right? And I say, Jim, you know, we really need to ask you a few questions, really understand, and say, hey, Mr. just give me a ballpark, and let's pretend I'm selling software. And I say, Jim, I don't know, based on size of the company, possible number of users, probably $20,000 a year. Comfortable with that? You say, yeah, yeah, I think I can work with that. Well, as we have our conversation and I do my discovery, I uncover that you probably need a $30,000 solution. Too, not too far, but you're anchored at 20. So now I have a choice between fighting you up to 30, which is probably a losing battle, or selling a $30,000 solution for a twenty for $20,000, which cuts my commission. And of course, if I'm the leader in the organization, it also cuts into my revenue and my profit. So you're, you're bang on with teams setting their targets that are too low. They get anchored there. And then as a leader, we try to fight them up, and it's a losing battle. And the best strategy to avoid anchoring is... First of all, give it to them. You give them the target and then help them and then help them design the path to the top of the mountain. Very cool. I love it. And if you're in a selling situation where we're talking about price, does that same strategy hold or do we want to make the client give the price? How does that relate? Great question. And really what we want to do is is first uncover, before we even get to price, the, the why, really that compelling emotional reason 
to do something different. Our biggest competitor in sales, doesn't matter what you're selling, is status quo. Doing nothing is our biggest competitor. So we want to uncover in Sandler, our buzzword is pain. For those of you who might not uh, have, have much experience with Sandler, think of it as a compelling emotional reason. It's the why. Why would I do something different? And then we can figure out, is that why big enough? Put some money and put some time and, and effort towards. In a selling situation, if someone's really pushing on price, the question I often like to ask, and Jim, if I may use you as my prospect again, Please. you know, if you're coming really hard on price, just give me a ballpark, just give me a ballpark, just give me a ballpark. I might say, hey, Jim, fair enough. It sounds like there's a budgetary concern or, or price is going to be a big factor in, in this. But before we get to that, Jim, without being too direct, can I just ask you, why would you even want to work with a company like mine? Well, I think I've heard great things about you and um, I just like what I've heard. Awesome. I, and uh, have you heard that from the web or from someone specific? Well, really from someone specific. Actually, a couple of people have mentioned your company. Perfect. And when you when you talked to them, did you talk about what kind of investments they had made in our product? No, really did not. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Uh, and I, I know that you've heard good things, Jim, and, and I appreciate you inviting me in today. But the things that we did for those people are probably not going to be exactly the same as what, uh, what you're looking for. So I, I'm totally happy to talk about what investments would look like in our, in our software. But before I do that, Jim, I really want to make sure that that we're you know, playing the same sport before we even figure out if we're in the same ballpark. And in order to do that, really need to understand a little bit more about your business and truly why you invited me in and why you would want to invest in a software product like ours because uh, it, it's it's not the cheapest out there. And if you're looking for, for the cheapest option, I would, I'd just like to give you some time back in your day, shake hands and, and part as friends. So anchoring is one of those things that happens literally daily. We get our minds made up about something and then whether it's grounded in reality or not, what we have, what we have got our minds stuck on, it's really hard to change your mind. Yeah. And, and I think when you set goals, I, for me, I'll say it personally, for me, when I set goals, there's a big tendency to set goals around what I am comfortable doing as opposed to around what is in my best interest to do. Yeah, not everyone has that problem. Some people have an easy time making goals that are so unrealistic, but you know, you're comfortable creating goals that you know you'll hit. Yeah. Some other people are not good at that and create goals that they don't recognize that they won't hit them. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And so there's 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 always going to be a bunch of different sides to every equation and it's good to keep a I guess balanced perspective on what everyone's going to be dealing with but I think that that perspective of anchoring is another way that you can also once you've figured out the compelling reason to change you can anchor the change that you want to achieve and I think it's so important to put in the effort to really anchor change and by, by which I mean, like, if you think about goal setting as selling, you need to sell yourself on what you want. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that, uh, what Hamish says. What is that compelling reason? What is the why behind what I'm trying to do? Because if I don't or won't hit that emotionally compelling reason, it's hard to sustain the, the commitment 
through the course of time. Yeah. So what suggestions, Jason, uh, do you have for any of our listeners who are thinking, okay, so you're telling me I need to take time to uh, maybe check in on my goals and fine tune my goals. Any specific tips or tactics you would recommend on uh, how they might accomplish that? I think if you've done your the necessary work to figure out exactly what your goal is, if you've done the clear research or you've done the thought exercises that will lead you to understand that what you desire matches with what you feel is important, then the next step is really the determinations of the behavior that makes success. And I think that what does it look like to deter determine what success is made out of? It takes a fair amount of, I, th I think you really have to, you've got the image, now you've got to figure out on top of what behaviors do you need? What, what is the support network that you have? What can you use? What are all the pieces around you, yeah, either your community or home that can support you? And then really build together. Think about it like a bridge. A bridge doesn't just stand because you've got two stones, two pillars underneath it. It's got to have a bunch of different levels of support. And the engineering behind it is well planned out to support the weight of what it's trying to achieve with regard to people traveling, right? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great analogy. Yeah, I, I'm in the middle of a home remodeling project, home office remodeling project. And um, having come from a background in remodeling, that really is the epitome of goal setting. You, 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 you have a desire, you create a plan, a blueprint for what you want to change. The blueprint, which is our equivalent today of the vision board, helps you envision it. It helps you see it. It helps you commit to it. As Jason's suggesting, you bring in uh, engineers that might help you fine tune it to make sure this is really what you want and that you're going to be putting your efforts into the right, uh, the, the right priority. And then now you start moving towards it and it starts to take shape. And as, you, as it starts to take shape, you might see that, okay, this isn't quite what I had in mind. What if we do this? And then as you get a little further along, you think, oh, I didn't realize we'd have this space here. How about if we fill in the blank? So that's kind of an example of what, what does fine-tuning my goal look like? I think uh, Jason's point of bringing in other people who um, – can give you some feedback is important. It is vital to involve everybody in your life who is going to be touched by the goal. Because anytime you're focused on achieving a goal, it's gonna have a disruptive factor. And you wanna make sure the people that who, who will be affected by it are actively uh, invested in your why. They understand the compelling reason and they give you the liberty to devote the time and energy to it because it's not going to happen without sacrifice, not just on your part, but probably on their part as well. Yeah, it's really easy to think you'll just 
make something a priority and then act on it regularly, but what it takes to act on something is time. Yeah. And time's a commodity. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this program already feels like they're short on. <laughs> right. And so if you didn't have time today to do the thing that you're thinking about doing, what, what, what will it take for you to make it such a priority that the time that you don't have, you're dedicating to it? Yeah, yeah. Which brings up another subject. I don't know that we have time now that you mention it, but that is making it, it, it part of the smart of sm smarter goals. The A is achievable. Um, some goals are so big that you don't have a clear view of the end. And if that's the case, you really need to break it down into more manageable pieces. You know, to, yeah. So like, I, I want to pay off my house. Well, that's a big goal. Uh, so what, what about, how could I chunk that down into uh, smaller increments? Well, maybe I, I look up a, a interest chart and realize that if I pay an extra 500 bucks a month, I can cut five years off of the length of the term. Loan. So now I'm now I'm visually moving it from a I'll be paid off in 12 years to now I'm paid off in seven. That feels good, right? So it's it's chunking your goal down into something where you can see more results quickly, even if it's a if it is a really big goal. Visual aids are always helpful too. Uh, yeah. If you have, I have another client that they are great at creating uh, every, every staff meeting. We do a, we do a monthly strategic planning session and they have, they show their goals for the month and their results and they celebrate the successes they have. Every single member, every employee of the company attends those meetings and they're all seeing what they're doing. And I've been meeting with this client for three years now. And every single month, they are over their goals. And their goals are stretch goals. It's mm -hmm. not like they're setting low goals and it's a breeze. Each year, they push for more. And each year, the higher they raise it, the more they achieve. Uh, that, that envisioning and pulling the team together and having something visual that everybody's shooting towards, all are so valuable components to helping get buy-in, collaboration, and achievement to your goals. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's completely true. So, so many times with organizations, if they've made it a priority to do it, then when it gets done, it gets done in a meaningful way, and everyone knows that that's one of the objectives. So why are we hitting those goals? Well, because those goals are top of mind. Yeah. How many, how many organizations have you been in throughout your life that have disconnected the goal setting at the top from the day-to-day -day functioning at the bottom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need to empower the people who have the ability to achieve your goals to know their goals. If they yeah. aren't bought into it and a part of it, um, it's really hard for them to feel like a significant contributor. But in this particular company I'm talking about, they have maybe um, their sales team is probably six or seven folks. 
They've got two or three folks in the administrative team. They've got another five or six folks in the fulfillment uh, uh, of the deliverable. And they get to see what each other does to contribute to the goal. But it's the men and women that are doing the work in the field that really, without them, none of it happens. Yeah. And getting them to see it and to believe in it and to work towards it, I mean, it's just exciting. And I can watch in the business owners, I mean, he's gone from when we first started working together, I mean, it was a drudgery uh, to, 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 to build his business to, I mean, he ends every meeting just on the on cloud nine, excited about what they're doing and thrilled about the team because he's building them together. He's spending the time and energy to get everybody on the same page, working towards the same goal, knowing the goals, sharing the numbers. Uh, really a lot of a lot of fun. And it's a lot more exciting to be a part of a business where you're actively involved and dependent on. Yeah. And having your team prove themselves to you time and time again is something that will really change how you feel about your day-to-day life. Yeah. Great topics today, Jason. Thanks for uh, participating with me in the show. And listeners, if we've uh, brought up anything that piques your interest and you'd like to hear more about what we do at Sandler, uh, you can reach us by phone at area code 208 429-9275. That's 208-429-9275. We're right here in the Treasure Valley and uh, our clients reach far beyond the borders of this state. And as you heard from our radio program, even into uh, other parts of the country, uh, nation. We're also available on the web at crossroads.sandler.com. That's www.crossroads sandler.com or you can email me jim.stevens stevens is spelled s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s jim.stevens at sandler.com hey have a great weekend we appreciate you taking time to join with us give us some feedback love to hear from you if you measure it you'll manage it have a great weekend <laughs>